Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. As we pursue Jesus, our vision is to build a community of believers who are present-centered, people-focused, and community-oriented. This message is taken from our Blueprint series, a journey through the book of Acts. We really believe that you will encounter Jesus through this teaching today. Turn with us to Acts chapter 8. And let's just read a few verses here. As I said, we begin to tie up the Blueprint series. Okay, Acts chapter 8, and let's read from verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean, for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them and shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. There was much rejoicing in that city. Let's jump over to verse 14. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Peter and John, that connection of intimacy and, and power? Do you remember that? Here they are again, this, this A-team of God. He sent them now to Samaria because they had received the, the gospel. They had received freedom and healing. They had understood Jesus, but they still needed to grow in some areas. And so they sent them Peter and John. And here's what they did. They came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, they came so they could receive the Holy Spirit. There was more growing. There was more on this journey. For they had not yet fallen, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this pattern here, I'm gonna, not going to read the whole book of Acts, but this pattern is something that continues throughout the book. We see here God's rhythm for living. There is a rhythm that happens. And I ask myself this question. What was it that enabled this church of Jesus Christ? Because this is what he's calling upon you and upon myself. What was it that enabled them in the midst of persecution? What did we read in verse 4? Persecution came upon them. What was it that enabled them in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial, to be so radical? What was it that enabled them in the midst of something that would come and stop what God was doing to continue to press through? What was it in the midst of what they were going through that was trying to shut them down, to quiet them down, to make them to become even bolder and to rise up in more and more faith? What was it that made them overcome? What was it that made them stay their course, that made them never give up? Don't you want to know what it was? What an amazing pattern that we see. And as I've been praying and, and hearing from the Lord, I, heard, I told you already, the scent of God, here's the title. This is the rhythm for living that I believe God is showing us in his Bible, but he wants to set up in our lives. And it's gather, grow, go. Say that with me. Gather, grow, go. One more time, louder. Come on, friends. Gather, grow, go. There is a cycle that God is putting up in our lives. And at every single one of these stages, there is something so rich that we can learn about the church, the people who sat around you, the people in this room today, and about our lives. And if this cycle is, uh, is broken at any point, we can actually stop being that radical church that God wants us to do. So I'm going to just put these words up here. I haven't used the blackboard in a while. Let's see how my handwriting is. Gather, 
grow, and then go. And what I want to suggest to you is that this is a cycle. This is a rhythm of living that God has set up in our lives in order to keep us flowing, in order to stop us becoming stagnant, in order to stop us from moving always in step and in time with the Holy Spirit. So how do we live in this rhythm? And I want to suggest to you, the first thing, that this, the place that this rhythm starts, I've written gather first, and that seems about right, doesn't it? Because if we were to talk about the church, what is the church? And most of us would say, well, Ryan, it's the place where we gather on Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m., Revival Fires Dudley. Great worship. It's going to be live streamed. If you miss it, you can catch up. Someone's going to preach to you. We're going to have a coffee. Are you laughing at my accent? <laughs> I don't know why I turn Southern American every time I turn into general people. It's because I once, honestly, guys, listen to this. I love the black country, okay? I've been here for 20 years. My kids were born here. My, I married my wife here. I live here. And I once tried to do a black country accent. <laughs> Some of you were there. It was on this very stage. It was terrible. Thank you, Jackie. Oh, there we go. We got some truth in the church today. It was so bad. I'm not going to do that again ever. I want to honor the black country. I want to honor the black country. We love you. Thank you for making me an honorary member. So, well, what's church about? Well, it's a place where we gather. There's great coffee. Sometimes there, there's, there's youth gatherings and there's worship team gatherings. And it's, it's all about gathering together. And it is, and that's so important. We're going to speak about that. But what I want to tell you is the first step of this cycle, the rhythm for living that God has put upon our lives, is not gather. Do you know what the first step is? This is where it all begins. And if we don't realize how important the go is, we actually break the cycle that God has put upon our lives. I want to read you um, Romans chapter 10. Let me read this to you quickly. I've got a lot of verses for you today. I'm not apologizing because I love the word of God. I'm just saying if I take a bit of time to find it, please forgive me. Here we go. Romans chapter 10. Why is go first? Why is go the first in the cycle? It says this in verse 14 of chapter 10. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? That's where it all begins. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel. The cycle starts with go. This is what is... Um, We've talked a lot about the apostolic, and it's a word that is so misunderstood, but I want you to know simply it means this, sent. The one who is sent. The foundation of what the church is called to do, first and foremost, comes from being sent. I love this verse. It was my, my verse for last year. The year was 2021. It was an easy verse to remember because it was John chapter 20, verse 21, and it said this. Jesus was talking, so it's in red letters in my Bible. I love the words of Jesus. When the word of Jesus comes, you can take it and you can pray it and you can expect to see fruit in your life. Because if Jesus has said it, he, it's his will and he will, he will fulfill it. And he said this, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. John 20, verse 21. It was my year for last year. That's why Zimbabwe happened. That's why. And what, are you, what, are you, what was my year for last year? Sorry, it was my word, my scripture. What a scripture to have in the midst of a lockdown, right? 
What a scripture to have in the midst of not being able to go anywhere. I tried to go many places. We all did. Um, none of us got arrested. <laughs> there was a couple times through the border. It was a bit by the skin of our teeth, wasn't it, Anna? Going through the border. Have we got all our COVID passes, all of our, what was that thing called? Declaration of where you're going to be and locate a form, all these kind of things. And you get to the, you get to the passport control. And you think, man, have I got everything in place? And, and they have all these questions. And you think, am I allowed to be traveling right now? Somehow God did it. But what a year for a scripture to understand the scent. And I just, let me just take a quick section here, actually. What I believe COVID was about too. I'll just stand over here and point. That works just as well. What I believe COVID was about is if the enemy could break any one of these cycles, if he could cut this off here, he could stop a cycle and he could stop us moving in the place where we can always overcome, where we can always grow. This is a cycle that God has put up in our life. If he can stop us gathering, he can think, um, oh, the, you know, the church is not going to be able to get anywhere if I can stop that. But in the midst of what happened in lockdown, we had to focus on grow, didn't we? We had to focus so importantly on grow. In fact, what happened was that the ownership for your spiritual growth shifted from just coming and gathering on a Sunday and hearing a great word to you at home thinking, where am I going to feed myself? Am I going to open my word more than I've ever opened my word? Am I going to find that, that message on Facebook or YouTube? Whatever it is that you guys are on. Anna was talking about the young kids at Snapchat these days. God filled the airwaves with everything there. Am I, what am I going to do to grow? So nothing was going to stop the cycle. And guess what happened? I don't know if you've realized this. Places, whether it's churches, whatever it was, but, but places where they found a way to continue to go, even though it was locked down, and continued to gather. We gathered online. I mean, aren't you pleased not to hear the word Zoom again? <laughs> zoom, Zoom, Zoom. We found ways to keep the cycle happening. What happened when things were lifted? God was able to bring momentum back like that. I know of so many places that are still struggling because the enemy managed to break the cycle. This is a cycle in our lives. I want you to know if we can keep this going as individuals, that God is calling you to gather with his presence every day. God is calling you because he wants to grow with you. He is calling you because he wants you to go. So I was talking about John 20, 21, wasn't I? Yep. As the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. It starts with grow. This is the entry point. This is the place where God has sent us. And I just want to spend a little bit more time on this. Because as, we've, as I've read through Acts, I've been so blessed by this. I realize that Acts is actually the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment. Because it's not finished being written yet. You and I have the joy the honor of continuing to live out the acts of God's disciples here on earth. So it's not fully completed, but it's the beginning of the completion of what in the Bible we call the Great Commission. If any of you, you guys know what the Great Commission is, right? This is the, when Jesus came and he, he lived his life on earth for us. He became our substitute, our, our um, savior, our redemption. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. He was ascended to heaven, and then he sent his Holy Spirit. But before he ascended, he said this word in, in Matthew 28, verse 19. He says to all of his disciples, go. Say it with me. He says, go. Go, go into all the world 
make, preach the gospel, cast out demons, cleanse the sick, lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead, make disciples of every nation. And that is what our vision as a church. You know, there's sometimes there's people who come to us um, in counseling and we love a prophetic culture. We love talking about the destiny that God has for every one of our lives. Because when we discover God's destiny for us, we also know the, the purpose and the plan that he has for us to walk on. And sometimes what comes, in, comes up in counseling with Anna, myself, other, other life group leaders, people will come and say, Ryan, but I, I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what God's plan for my life is. I, it's great hearing the messages, but, but what does God want from me? I want to tell every single one of you who's sitting in this room right now under the sound of my voice, everyone watching online, that you have got a purpose from heaven. You have got a plan from the throne of God. And it is summed up in Matthew 28 verse 19. He is telling you to go. To go into all the world and to preach the good news. To make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is to grow them. To grow them. To, to gather them, to grow, and to go. It's a beautiful, beautiful cycle that he's got us in. And the, the most be- uh, wonderful thing about go right now, even as you've looked around, the people sat next to you, shake hands, um, made new friends, the beginning of new friendships, you realize now that we don't have to go very far to go into all the world. The world is at our doorstep. The world is on my street. The world is in my workplace. The world is at was at your school, almost at my school, I'm not in school anymore. The world is at your school. The world is in your shopping mall. When you walk out of your front door, let me tell you, the world is right there. As we look around, I'm so blessed and privileged to see the diversity of people in this congregation because this isn't a church where we gathered around the kingdom of the United Kingdom. This isn't a church where we gather around the kingdom of Britain or the culture of Britain. We gather around the, the kingdom of heaven and the culture of heaven. And when we do that, there is place and expression for every single one of us. We all find our home. We all find that we belong and that we have a plan together. And so God is calling us to go. But go doesn't mean that you all have to get out your passport. It doesn't mean that you all have to leave the church and go to another, another city or another town or another country or even another congregation. What it means is that when we walk out of that door after today, you are going. Every time we, we, we finish a meeting, we are sending you out into your places of work to be a place of influence because you are the beginning of the cycle. That's the Great Commission. But did you know the Great Commission isn't something... That started when Jesus ascended. It isn't sudden it started there. It was always God's plan for people, for mankind. The Great Commission has got multiple mirror points in the Old Testament. And I want to read a couple of them to you. Are you ready for this? Okay, you're going to have to give me some more volume. Are you ready for this? Where's the black country going in you guys? Come on out, kid. That's pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. The Great Commission is something that isn't a new idea. It was always God's plan. Do you remember when he made mankind? There was a guy called Adam, his wife called Eve. And what did he say to them? In the right in the beginning, Genesis 1 verse 28. I'll try and paraphrase it, okay? Because this is what he said. No, no, I'm not. I'm going to read it for you because I want you to see how similar it is. This isn't Ryan's paraphrase. This is verbatim. Genesis 1 28. God blessed them. This is mankind, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. 
rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living creature that moves on land. So God said, I've made you. Guess what? I haven't just made you because I've got some, I want some sort of plaything to worship me. I haven't just made you because I was bored. I made you because you've got a purpose. Your purpose is to be fruitful, to be blessed, to multiply, and to rule and to reign. Isn't it so powerful when we sing songs like we sang this morning? God reigns and God rules. Did, did you see what came up in that? That's because that is the anointing and the authority that's on Jesus. And he's taking that and he's put it upon us. Every one of us. That's what we're meant to walk in. Okay? So that was God's plan with Adam and Eve. But what happened? They got it wrong. As every one of us would have. I, I think I've told you this many times before. But as a young boy, when my mom would read me the Bible story, I would say to her at the end, She'd talk about Adam and Eve and how Adam and Eve together, guys, let's not just blame this all on the ladies, okay? Together they sinned. Together they crossed over into what they shouldn't have crossed over. Together they had an appetite to enter into what God hadn't called them to enter into, and they sinned. And things went wrong. And what I said to my mom often is, oh, mom, why did Adam have to do that? I still want to run around with the animals, you know? She's like, Ryan, if Adam hadn't done it, I would have. If I hadn't done it, you would have. Every one of us would have fallen. It's not, it's not that we can be upset with Adam. But here's the beautiful thing. God gave a commission to mankind. And what did man do? They dropped it. But what did God do? This is the God we serve. This is Jesus Christ. This is how he lives in our life. He didn't stop and turn his back on them and say, I'm going to go start over on another planet. Hey, Mars, you're looking pretty good right about now. What did he do? He said, okay, no worries. I've got another plan. Because God has got a cycle that he never gives up on. God never stops. Nothing will stop him breaking in and stepping into the situation. And so we read on in Genesis, and, and God comes and he finds another man. And that man's name is Noah. He said, what does the Bible say about Noah? Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a man who knew the Lord. No one else would call upon him, but Noah did. And let me just read you that because it is amazing. It's Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Things got really bad. God had to send a flood and he had to, he had to create a new covenant. And here's what he says to Noah. Now remember what, we, what he just said to Adam. Look how similar this is. Genesis chapter 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Wait, I've heard this before. Have you heard this before? The fear and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth and every bird in the sky and everything that creeps on the ground and the fish in the sea. They are all given into your hand. Rule over them, reign over them. God was saying, okay, you got it wrong, but don't worry, I'll start again. Instead though, instead of working with all of mankind, he had to go to Noah. What happened with, with mankind after Noah? They got it wrong. If you read through Genesis, they built the Tower of Babel. They tried to reach up to heaven. They, they tried to do things the wrong way. They got it wrong again. But did God give up? Did God give up on me when I got things wrong? Did God give up on me when I needed a savior? Is God going to give up on you when you need a savior? Let me tell you, no matter what you're going through in your life right now, 
God is a God who wants to step in to your situation. Let me tell you, the Great Commission, if it teaches you anything more than just when you leave this building today, you've got a purpose and a plan, a message and power to carry. It's this. No matter what you're going through, God is a God who wants to step in to your situation. God is a God who wants to step in and save you. God is a God who wants to step into whatever mess, whatever mistakes you've made. He wants to turn them around. God is a God who's going to step in and bring healing into your life. There might be loss that you're going through. There might be death that you're facing. There might be tragedy and oppression that you're facing, but God is going to step into that in the very midst of what you're going through. He is stepping into your situation and he is going to pull you up because he hasn't given up on you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't lost you. He always has a plan and he always has a hope. Is there anyone out there this morning who needs to hear that message? I want you to know you can call upon God because Jesus Christ was the one sent from heaven onto earth in order to turn things around for our lives. So after Noah, what happened? Man still got it wrong. I mentioned Babel. Then there was one more man. God said, I am not giving up on mankind. He found a guy by the name of Abram. And if I could read you that again, oh, come on, I will. This is good. Abraham, Genesis 12, verse 1. He did it to Abraham twice. In Genesis 17 as well. Maybe you can go home and read it at some point. And the Lord said to him, he said, go forth from your country. What did he say? Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, the land I will show you. I will make you great. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you. I will curse you. And all the families of the world will be blessed because of you. And I want you to see how that commission was from the whole of humanity, but then just to Noah and his family and a people group, and eventually just to Abraham. And from that, we get the Israelites. And God used one nation to maintain his blessing and his promise until Jesus Christ could come. And do you know what the Bible calls Jesus Christ? One of the many things he calls Jesus Christ, because he is our beautiful savior. He is our wonderful healer. He is our counselor. He is our prince of peace. He is our king of kings. He is our Lord of lords. There are so many things that we can call Jesus. But one of the things that he calls Jesus is he was the second Adam. He came to restore what God's plan was for us as humanity since the beginning. Everything that was lost, God found a way to hold on to because God has a rhythm for living for us. And he comes and he died on a cross for your sin. He died on the cross for my sin. He's made us righteous before him. He raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He left us with a mandate and it was go. Go into all the world. What was lost in Adam through Jesus Christ is now restored. Are you ready to walk in that mandate? Are you ready as a church to say, yes, Lord, I will go. I understand how you're stepping into my life, how you're calling us to go. I just love that this go is God's story of redemption into our lives. He will make it right. So then what, what can stop this flow? If God is calling us to go, what are some of the things that stop this flow? And I want, I want to mention this to you. Sometimes we can tend to camp around one of these points. Because they're all good points, aren't they? I mean, growing. Isn't growing amazing? Who, who, would, who would think in their right mind that to make discipleship and growing up in the Lord 
is a bad thing. It's a good thing, but here's the problem. Let me, let me just talk about this for a minute. If we were to camp around any one of these, if we were to camp, for example, just around gathering, if we made all of this just around gathering, what would happen is that we would, and stop, stop the flow, we would go off on a tangent. A tangent is when we, we leave the, the circumference and the circle and we shoot off in a way that we shouldn't go. And we make a tangent about things. Let me just say what would happen if we were to camp around gathering. If the church wasn't about gather, grow, go, but it was all about gathering, what we would do is we would make the gathering the most important thing. And what happens if we make the gathering the most important thing? Well, let me tell you, we become the most important thing. And if we become the most important thing, what happens to our message? We better not say anything to offend anyone. Because if we offend people, they go and then they're not going to gather. So all of a sudden, the gathering becomes so important. So we start to change our message. We start to worry too much about the people around us. We start to say things, we start to live values like this. Instead of gather, grow, go, we become gather, care, keep. Very, very subtle, but it's very dangerous. Now, Ryan, Ryan, what are you saying? You're allowed to offend me anytime you want to? No, I don't want to be offensive. I'm not saying that, but I'm setting an expectation. Because the other thing that can happen here is we... As Christians, young Christians, mature Christians, we can have expectations of what the church is about. And if we have an expectation that the church is just a place where I gather, any church that wants to get us into something else, we can become offended with them. And I'm not talking about yeah, revival fires. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? There's things that can actually, we can become offended because we have an expectation that's not in line with the blueprint of heaven for what the church should be. Am I making sense? And it can stop the cycle. You see, the enemy wants nothing more than to stop the cycle. Because the church that's living in the rhythm of this is a church that is moving in the kingdom's power. And any individuals that are living in the rhythm of this, you are going to be living that blessed life. What blessed life? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That blessed life. If the enemy can stop us at any point, he's going to shut it down. So uh, if, if we camp out together, guess what becomes really important? The size of the church becomes important. You know what? The size of the church can become even more important than the presence of Jesus in the church. The brand of the church can become more important. The way we look, the way we dress, all those kind of things. I want you to know this is not our heart for this church. Our heart is that, yes, we are all important, but Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Our heart is that we gather. I'm not saying a gathering is not important. I'm saying it's a part of a massive function that God is calling us into. And I, I'll say it again because I love it. I'm so blessed by the gathering that's happened in homes, smaller groups, other groups, the gathering that happens because when we gather, something amazing happens. What if we were to camp out at Grove, for example? Let me tell you, we become, it all becomes about me. I'm here, Ryan, because I need to grow. You've got to feed me. I'm here to grow. And what happens if I'm not getting um, fed? People say things, well, it's not feeding me. I'm not growing as much as I want to grow. And what happens? We become consumer Christians. The Holy Spirit is not here just for me to become a consumer Christian. He's here for me to fulfill His commission on the earth. Does that make sense? We don't want to camp out at any one place. We want to be those who continue to understand, okay, I'm going to gather, I'm going to grow, I'm going to go. And let me, let me say this to you. Sometimes we grow the most when we go. 
We can be thinking, well, I'm gathering here, Ryan, because I, I want to grow. And we do this little cycle. Go to church on Sunday, grow, because there are good messages. Let's be right. Come on. And then we come back on Sunday because we want to gather. And we come back and we grow. And we do a little cycle here. But this cycle isn't part of the whole thing. And what it can do, it can implode in itself. God wants to make sure that we go. And let me tell you, the big, some of the biggest growth... There you go. Some of the biggest growth happens when we actually go. And I mentioned that briefly. Let me spend a bit of time on this. Your go is when you leave that door. Your go is every morning when you leave the door of your house. Sometimes your go is actually when you leave the bed. I'm talking about your family. Sometimes we have to call to go to our families. They're the first people we go to. And when we go, we grow the most. How, how can we go? It's in the most simplest things. If I was to send a message to one of you, say, Christina, I was going to send, send a message to Christina. I've written it up. And, and, and you guys, whether it's WhatsApp or, or text messages or even an email, what button do you push when, you want, when, you've, when you've completed your message and you want it to go? What button do you push? Pardon? Are we the scent of God? Sometimes you can go without even leaving your home. There might be people even this week that God is calling you to go to. And you might need to say, I'm going to write you a text. I'm going to push sent. Why? Because I'm a sent one. You're a sent one of God. There are people that you can go to. It's, it's easier than ever now to go, to be the go. But so often we, we come and we grow and, and we, we know <laughs> as we grow. I'm a rapper now. <laughs> Not really. We know as we grow that this is good, but, but we can be... Find it difficult to go. What are some of the things that stop us going? Well, what will people think of us? What if it's not God's word for them at the moment? We can be so religious, even our excuses, can't we? What if, what if it's, um, what if I'm not hearing you right, God? It doesn't matter. Just go. It's in the going when we grow. Philip was sent to Samaria and uh, I've you guys are enjoying this. It doesn't matter how we go. But here's the thing that's so amazing. At the start of the book of Acts, it says this, and we talk about this in heart to heart. Jesus, again, in the red letters, is saying to his people, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And as we read through Acts, it started in Jerusalem with Pentecost. And all the people from the region of Judea gathered and were impacted. Then where was the next place it happened? I've just read it in Acts 8. Philip is sent to Samaria. God's got a pattern. God's not doing anything out of pattern. Let me prophesy to your life. God's got a pattern for your life. And he's not given up on it. He's working things out together for his will in order with his pattern. And you might even feel, Lord, I'm breaking a cycle. No, today is a day that God can put you back in cycle. And from Samaria, what happened? Then Saul became Paul, and it went to the ends of the earth. It came to us, the Gentiles. And in the same way as the commission was to all mankind, and it got smaller and smaller and smaller until it went to just Abraham in order to see us through to Jesus, God now says through the Holy Spirit that I'm going to go to Jerusalem first, and I'm going to get bigger and bigger, go to Judea, then Samaria, and now to the ends of the earth. And here we are, the ends of the earth, gathered in a place where we can go. Where was I? I was talking about what stops us going. Sometimes they're little excuses. We can go. We're all called to go. Sometimes it's a text. 
Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's a word or a scripture that we speak to people. But as we go, we begin to grow. Does that make sense? Are you ready to grow today? Mm. Are you ready to grow today? I know you are. I think sometimes the silence is just us listening. So where are we in the cycle? Where are you in the cycle? Ask that of yourself. Where are you in the cycle? Has, has expectations taken you somewhere else? Has fears taken you somewhere else? Has disappointments derailed you and taken you somewhere else? Because God wants to get us back into the cycle. And the most important thing about this cycle, let me tell you, is what's in the center. As it spins around, the thing that is in the center of the cycle is what's going to hold it all together. And what we can do sometimes is we can put the wrong object in the center of the cycle. And it can cause different things to happen. I mentioned a little bit about if we camp around and grow, we become consumer Christians. We just want to be feed me, feed me, feed me. If we put ourselves, say everyone say me. me. I can put myself in the center of that cycle. Let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to become self-centered. It's going to begin to implode. I'm not meant to be the center of this. I'm not the center of the universe. Sometimes we feel like we should be. <laughs> or we act like we are. And I'm talking about me, okay? I'm not. Don't be offended. But if you're offended, it's okay. God's working in our lives. If I put myself in the center, my ego, if it's all about me, it's going to implode because I'm not worthy of being the center. We can, we can put other things in the middle. We can put things like our family. I mean, that's a good thing, isn't it? We put our family in the middle. Family is not the, the center of this circle. What happens if we put our family? We can begin to create idols. Things can, can sometimes start to fall apart. And we're like, why are we trying to hold this all together? Because family's not the center of the circle. Family won't hold it together. What about if we even put ministry in the middle? What if we put even church? Well, it's about church. I'm putting church in the middle of this circle. It's the center that's going to hold us all together. No. What happens if we do that? Works becomes very important. What happens if works becomes important in our lives? We step into something called religion. Let me tell you, the only object, the only item the only most precious thing that can be in the center of that circle is Jesus Christ. He is the center of this lifestyle. He is the center of our lives. He is the one that holds everything together. He is the one about who our lives are for, that we are living for. We gather because of Jesus. We grow because of Jesus. We go because of Jesus. And he is the center of our lives. And Jesus, we want to keep you at the center. And as I come to finish this morning, I want to just mention a few things about each of these where Jesus gathered, where Jesus grew, and where Jesus went. Because if Jesus is the center, he has to be the perfect model. Amen? Amen. So when did Jesus gather? Have you heard the scripture? When two or three are gathered in, in what? In my name. Jesus is, red letters again. Jesus is saying this. When two or three are gathered in my name, who's there? 
Jesus is there in the midst of them, in the middle of them, in the center of them. Let me tell you, every time we gather, we gather because of Jesus. And we gather around Jesus. And your gathering could be you and your, your spouse. It could be you and your children at home, maybe grandparents, maybe even a friend. Gathering around a Costa coffee. I should, we should get, um, so I go to Costa quite a lot for meetings, pastoral meetings. And you know how many Revival Fires people I see in Costa? So many, I love it. But I'm realizing we need to get shares in this company or something. We need to do something about this. I tell you what, maybe the reason Costa is so blessed in the black countries is because two or three are gathered and Jesus Christ is there in the midst of them. And Costa are like, man, what's going on? And I'll tell you why. It's because the church are gathering where two or three are gathered. I want you to know your gatherings can be so powerful. When you hold, when you say grace around your meal, your breakfast, it might just be as small as a, a bowl of Kellogg's cereal, but you pray and you have a gathering with your family. Jesus Christ is there. Let me tell you this cycle. I'm talking about a church, but it works in our daily lives. Daily, I want to gather with Jesus. Daily, I want to grow as I open my Bible. As I open my Bible, the Holy Spirit is there counseling me and reading me. And, and I'm there with Jesus himself and God the Father. There's four of us in the room, just me reading my Bible. But there's four of us and we're having a gathering and God's feeding me. But then he says, Ryan, you're walking out this door, you're going. And I have the choice. Do I just... Enjoy all of that. That was just for me. And when Anna wants to ask me, so what did you read? And I'm just kind of mulling over it. And I want to hold on to it. I, I have a choice. Am I going to go to my family? Is this making sense? And this is a daily cycle. If we break the cycle, guess what happens? We live short of the commission of God for our lives. And it's not just about fulfilling him. It's about stepping into the blessing that he's got for our lives. So when we gather, what about grow? I'm going to get my son up here. Ben, why don't you come on up? I want to read you a couple of uh, verses from the book of Luke talking about Jesus. Luke 1 writes about the birth of Jesus and he ends chapter 1 in verse 80. Hey, Ben, come on up. And he says this, And the child, Jesus, continued to grow and become strong in spirit. And he lived in the desert. Okay, so it continues. Then it goes on in the end of verse 2. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Jesus grew in, what are these things? Wisdom, stature, favor with God and with man. Jesus modeled growth. And growth is so important. And the reason I got my son up here, isn't he great? This, this was the holiday Okay, when Ben realized that he was taller than his mom. This was the holiday. Okay, so he's been taller than his sisters for a while, but this was the holiday that he realized he was taller than his mom. Okay, and we're talking about growth. Here's the context of growth. We always think of growth in size, don't we? Okay, and so Ben, ben was walking around. You could see him like, we're just finishing up a meal, done the dishwasher. He'd come up to you and be like, like putting his chest out like, you know, yeah, I'm taller than you, you know, taller than you, sister. I'm taller than you, mom, you know. And he'd come up to me and, I, and he was like, you know, he's like, you set his sights. He's like, dad, you're next, you know. Why? Because growth has to do with size, doesn't it? But let me ask you this question. When my son gets taller than me, he will, he will. I mean, he's not even 13. Do you want to say anything to them? No. 
no, no, no. So when he gets taller than me, because he set his sights, you see, he's a man of vision. He listens to his preaching grandfather and dad. He knows that if I can proclaim it, I'll receive it. Be taller than you, dad. How many times have you said that? <laughs> when he becomes taller than me, how will he grow then? There comes a point where his height will have reached its genetic fullness. Okay? But, sorry, Ben. You might be taller than me, but you're going to stop at some point. <laughs> but that's not, a, that's not a curse. That's a blessing. What would happen if you kept growing? Your bones wouldn't be strong enough to hold your body. You'd have to bend through every single door. You'd have to get special cars made of you. I know you kind of like the idea. There's, there's a point where we, where we reach genetic size that we stop growing. But growth doesn't stop there, does it? We can continue to grow in other ways. Some of the ways you can grow is in maturity. So I'll give you an example. He, he's almost taller than me. But what happens when he's, say, 35? He's home with his wife and his kids. And I have to call him. Just imagine this. I have to call him every night and say, Hey, Ben, it's your dad. How's your day been? Great. Now, listen, have you brushed your teeth? You see, he can be taller than me. But if he's not growing in maturity, because there's going to be other things now that he has to grow in. Have you loaded the dishwasher? I'm not mocking. You can sit down. Give him a hand. Thanks, Ben. There's other areas of growth that he will step into. There's other areas of growth that all of us step into. We have to grow up in maturity. But what also happens if we camp out and grow and we think it's all about me and we just keep growing and growing and growing and we reach our genetic height but we continue to grow this way? We, we step into something that's not healthy for us, don't we? You see, growth is important, but even when you've reached all of those dimensions and you're mature, does God want you to stop growing? No. He wants you to grow in a different way. And how do we grow? We grow by reproduction. You see, there is a cycle of growth in our lives that God wants to bring us into. And, and even if you think, oh, you know, I've reached it. No, the go is the going by reproduction. The go is the growing into maturity. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in uh, um, favor with God and with man. You know, we can grow with God. Do you want to grow up in a relationship with God? But then Jesus also modeled growth with mankind. Do you want to grow up with each other? Let me, let me read this. We're coming to land this soon, friends, I promise. But I just want to get this right. It's Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read to you what Paul says. He's talking about the unity of the Spirit. He then goes on to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks about apostles. Prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You remember I said, what measures growth is not how many more platforms we as leaders get to speak on, but how much ministry you do. Do you remember that? Mm, it's coming back to you. Are you writing down your notes? You know, we want to grow. We want to be faithful with what God's saying to us. And in the same passage, Paul continues. I'm going to read from... From verse 11, he gave, uh, verse 12, done that, okay. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Say fullness. Fullness. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by the waves and carried around by the wind of doctrine and the trick trick trickery of men, the craftiness and deceitfulness of scheming. But speaking the love, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. God wants us to grow up into all aspects 
into him, capital H, Jesus, who is the head, even Christ. God wants us to grow. Jesus modeled growth. He wants us to grow. But even in our growth, we, we recognize the cycle of how it all works. And Paul mentioned their maturity. And I, I realized something this week about gardens. And I think it's really important because it speaks into our lives. And that's this. Mature gardens don't grow very many weeds. I have a garden at the back when we bought the house. The people put some lovely flower beds and shrubberies. It's beautiful. I have a garden at the front. It has a plant that I'm sorry if your name's Holly. Please don't be offended. I just don't like Holly. There was this massive Holly bush. Why don't I like Holly? I'll tell you why. I'm still African at heart, and if I can wear no shoes, I will. And I'll walk around my garden. What happens to Holly leaves when they dry out? Oh, my goodness. They are the sharpest, most prickly things you've ever stood on. So I cut that thing down. I cut it down in the name of Jesus Christ. So I had this front, my front garden, it's growing up again. Thank you, Anna. My front garden needed me to plant things. So I've started to plant different shrubs, but I noticed that mature gardens don't grow many weeds, but young gardens are full of weeds. As we are growing, we need to watch the weeds in our life because the enemy will want to come in and use the weeds to break the cycle. You see, if he can stop you growing because a weed gets bigger than the plant, he'll stop you in this cycle. If he stops you gathering with the church because of the weed of offense, and I'm not talking to you because you're all here. I'm just saying it's what we have to watch in our hearts. And who knows who's watching online. If he can stop us gathering, he'll break the cycle and he cut us short of what God wants. And that's what weeds do. They grow up and they stop. But I've also got good news for you. Because the other thing I noticed is that young gardens are easier to weed. Sorry, young weeds are easier to take out. Mature weeds are difficult to remove. Mature gardens don't grow many weeds. Grow up in Jesus. Let's become mature Christians. Let's, let's sign up for life groups. Let's work out with the friends in our lives. Let's mature ourselves up in Jesus. And he's going to keep the weeds down. But if you're a young Christian, don't worry. We're here for you. Let's walk this journey together. Let's grow in maturity. Let's send you out to your workplaces. Let's send you out to your families. You are going to go. You're going to come back and gather. And this is a cycle that we've got. And if there are weeds, young weeds are very easy to pull out. You just grab them and you yank them out. Weeds come out with roots and all. But mature weeds, things that we've let settle for too long, the roots go down real deep. And the bigger the roots are, the harder it is for the weeds to get pulled out. So as we grow, let us grow in that. Let's also grow up in love. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You would have heard it at weddings so many times. It's such a good verse. And this is how we grow. We grow up in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag. It's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own good. It's not easily provoked. It takes no account. Wrong suffers. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. My gifts of prophecy might fall away. Tongues might fall away. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but love never fails. And then he says in verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. Then I became a man, an adult, a mature person, and I did away with childish things. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Paul says that as we grow up, the biggest growth that we have is the growth of love. We're growing up in the love of God and the love of each other. And finally go, as I mentioned, John 20, 21. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. As we grow, we go. It's time to let faith arise as we go. Are you ready to go today? Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed by it. You can stay connected with all that God is doing here and be resourced by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, following us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Revival Fires, giving and sowing into the ministry at our website, www.revivalfires.org.uk.